Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe that style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and in today's episode, we're talking about building a high quality wardrobe. I had a message from a listener who told me that she loved the episode about creating a wardrobe that's kind to the planet, but she struggles with finding affordable items that will last a long time. I think this is a challenge a lot of women struggle with, and we'll talk about why, but instead of just doing a short office hours episode, I wanted to dig a little deeper and tackle the quality challenge so many of us face. Also today, in Lessons from Linda, I'm going to share the story of a client who had an outfit for everything, literally. Our word of the week covers Ponty's dressier, lighter weight sister, and in current events, we're talking about three big trends for spring that every woman can wear. But before we get started, let's talk about homework. Your homework from the last two full episodes was to go get a professional bra fitting. You had a whole month to do it, so hopefully you did. We've heard from lots of you in the Style Lounge about the results. Some great, some not so great. I think it's worth mentioning that your fitting is only going to be as good as the knowledge of the person fitting you. And if you feel like it wasn't a success, don't throw away the whole process and say, ah, bra fittings aren't important. Go back and try again, either at a different store or with a different person. I usually ask for the person who's worked there the longest, and it's not a perfect system, but it helps. So keep on updating us with how your bra fitting progress is going. All right, let's kick things off as we always do with lessons from Linda. A couple of weeks ago in the Everyday Style Lounge, there was a thread from one of my ladies who had edited her closet so brutally that she found that she was left with nothing, no clothes to paint in, no clothes to garden in, nothing to get dirty in. You know, those grubby things that you don't mind getting dirty or even you don't mind if they get ruined. It was a great conversation in the group and it sparked this Linda memory, which is one of my favorites. And I don't know why I didn't remember it until now. Linda and I were doing a closet edit together before she moved, which is a great time to clean out your closet. Don't move clutter. Anyway, Linda had the desire to get rid of a lot of things and lighten her load before she moved. But unfortunately, she also had the desire to keep a lot of things, and she could justify keeping just about anything and everything. She would say things like, oh, I just wear those jeans to go camping, or oh, I just wear those pants when we go hiking. Those shorts are for painting. Those shorts are for gardening, and so on and so on. Then I got to this stack of jeans on a shelf in the back of her closet, and Linda said, oh, I don't need to try those on. Those are just my fire pants. Say what? What are fire pants? Linda explained that those are the pants she keeps in case there's a fire and she needs to change out of her pajamas. Yes, you heard that right. She had a special collection of old crappy jeans that she kept in case of fire. Let's break this down, shall we? First, if there was a fire in my house, I would grab my kids, my husband, my dog, and my phone in that order and get the heck out. If it was winter and I could do so safely, I'd put on shoes and grab a coat. That is it. But let's pretend for a moment that it wasn't a serious fire and you had time to think about your outfit. Why would you change into crappy things? I guess I could see changing if your town has hot firemen and you wanted to change into jeans that made your booty look really good. But why do you need grubby clothes for this situation? 
Wouldn't putting on your favorite jeans make more sense? At least they'd be safe from the fire. Linda's favorite things would have gone up in smoke, but by golly, she'd have at least one pair of unflattering jeans to get her through. I pointed out the absurdity of fire pants in general to Linda and having three pairs of fire pants specifically, because one of two things is going to happen in Linda's scenario. Your closet burns to the ground, in which case your other two pairs are gone, or your closet doesn't burn to the ground and you could reuse the same fire pants again and again. You really only need one pair of fire pants. Linda and I laughed and laughed and laughed about her fire pants And then I threw them all away because you actually don't need any fire pants. There are a couple of lessons to take away from this Linda. First, and I can't believe I have to say this, but if there's a fire in your house, please don't be concerned with fashion. If you're naked, throw on a robe. But this is not a time to be accessorizing or searching for the outfit you've been saving for just this moment. Linda's fire pants were at the back of the closet, up on a shelf. So even if she needed to get to them, she wouldn't have been able to. If you're going to have a fire pants outfit, put it at the front of the closet so your emergency wardrobe is close at hand. Second, two things were going on in Linda's closet. First, she was compartmentalizing her closet so much so that every single piece in her closet had a purpose and one purpose only. When I asked if she could go camping in her hiking pants, she said, yeah, you know, I usually just take those anyway. When I asked if she could garden in some of her painting clothes and paint in some of her gardening clothes, she was like, I never thought about that. Every closet needs some activity-specific things and some grubby things that you don't mind getting dirty or ruined, but if those items can do double duty, you don't need them all. In general, look for ways to make your clothes do more rather than having more clothes. The second thing going on in Linda's closet was saving tired, worn-out clothes for occasions that don't actually require tired, worn-out clothes. Fire pants are obviously an extreme, and I have to say funny, example, but I saw this all the time with clients. They had a collection of what they called grocery store clothes. Here's how it went. There's a dress that had seen its prime and they would say, oh, I'll keep that. I can just throw it on in case I need to the grocery store. Or we run across all these frumpy shorts and they say, oh, I just wear those to the grocery store. Again, there are two scenarios here. Either you're already wearing shabby clothes, in which case why not just wear the shabby clothes you're already wearing and save yourself the time of changing into other shabby clothes. Or second scenario, you do need to change. Either you've just come home from work and you want to get comfortable, or maybe you're just getting dressed for the first time that day, or maybe the clothes you're wearing legit can't go out in public. In that case, though, why not throw on something nice? If you like wearing casual, easy dresses to the grocery store, why not have a couple of cute, casual, easy dresses that are in good condition and make you look and feel good? The easiest way to look good all the time is having nice things for everywhere you go. Notice I didn't say expensive. I didn't say dressy. Just nice. You don't have to frump around town in worn out shabby things. Trade them for decent versions of the things you're already wearing and watch your style soar. Okay, let's move on to the word of the week. Today we're talking about buy stretch. That's B-I dash stretch. Bi-stretch is a fabric, and you might have already guessed, it's stretchy. Bi-stretch is used a lot in work pants and stretch suiting, um, in a lot of pencil skirts, things like that. 
What by stretch means is that the fabric stretches in two ways. You can take it and tug it and it stretches two ways, either north-south, which is vertically, or east-west, which is horizontally, but not both. Often when I am extolling the virtues of ponty pants to someone, which happens quite frequently, they'll say, oh, that's what I'm wearing. And they'll hold out their leg for me to feel. More often than not, they're not wearing ponty. They're wearing bi-stretch. Bi-stretch doesn't feel like yoga pants. It feels more like suit pants, even though it's comfortable and it has stretch to it. Ponty pants are a four-way stretch, which means you can stretch them both north-south and east-west. Four-way stretch fabrics have a very soft feel to them and very little structure, whereas two-way stretch or bi-stretch fabrics have a more refined feel and more structure to them. So now that you know what bi-stretch is not, what should you know about this important fabric? First, Bi-stretch tends to be more polished and professional looking than ponty. I would wear a bi-stretch suit to a professional event, whereas I would not wear a ponty suit. So if you're trying to up your game just a little bit, bi-stretch is a, a good fabric for that. Also, bi-stretch can be lighter weight, making it a good choice for your summer work wardrobe. There are thicker bi-stretch fabrics and blends, especially when cotton gets involved. It's usually a heavier cotton, but a lot of professional pieces for the warmer months are made from bi-stretch because you can have the polish you want, but still retain some structure without having a heavyweight fabric. Finally, a lot of bi-stretch fabrics are incredibly easy to care for. If you do a search for washable suiting or washable dress pants, nine times out of 10, you're going to get bi-stretch results. Be careful though, there are some dry clean only bi-stretch fabrics, and I don't want to lead you astray and have you ruin a jacket and said, oh, Jennifer said I could just toss it in the wash. No, make sure you're reading those, those care labels, but Bi-stretch can be a really good choice for those of you who want to look put together, but you don't want to start playing that dry cleaning game. I will link to a few bi-stretch pieces in the show notes so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But now it's time for current events. Today, we're talking about three spring trends that I think every woman can wear. If you're in the style lounge or following my Facebook page, you've heard me say that this is a bit of a weird season when it comes to trends. There are so many and they're so diverse that it's hard to pinpoint what's big this season. I would say that this is a season of a lot of micro trends rather than just a few big ones that are dominating all the stores. I find seasons like this really refreshing because there's truly something for everyone and really anything goes. One fun trend that's popping up a lot is tie-dye. I'm seeing it in sweaters and sweatshirts, tees, blouses, leggings, shoes. This isn't the rainbow tie-dye we think of when we think of people who are following the Grateful Dead around the country. This is more low-key pastel shades mixed with white, more subtle patterns, which makes it infinitely more wearable. And I know that a lot of women who are listening are thinking, I'm too old for that. And to that, I say, nonsense. If you just don't like it, that's one thing. But I always encourage women to look at the stores that cater to your age or your style and see how and if they're interpreting the trend. For this episode, I did a little research. And by research, I mean I typed tie-dye women's top into the search bar and then hit the Google shopping result. 
I found pieces at American Eagle and Target and Old Navy and lots of junior stores, but I also found tie-dye pieces at Nordstrom, Talbot's, and Chico's, which tells me there is a tie-dye for everyone at every age. Another trend I'm seeing a lot this season is feminine details like chiffon, ruffles, wrapped waist, sheer sleeves. In general, spring is the girliest season usually. We have a lot of florals, we have dresses, but this year is kind of taking it to a whole new level. We've seen a lot of sort of the minimalist, no detail things for a few seasons, a few years now. And I think that the pendulum is swinging back the other way. Um, and there's definitely more femininity in the clothes that are out right now. Finally, an accessory trend that's cropping up everywhere is jewelry made of links. We're seeing it mostly in gold, but there are silver link pieces out there as well. I love this trend because there's a way for everyone to do it. You could do a short, chunky link necklace, almost like a choker, or you can do a long, thin link necklace if that's your style. You can do a statement cuff bracelet made of links or just a simple pair of earrings. I'm especially loving the flat, more rectangular links that are out there right now. You can search for them by looking for paper clip chain necklace or paper clip link jewelry. They don't actually look like paper clips. It just kind of has that same elongated rectangle shape. So those are three spring trends for 2020 that every woman can interpret in her own way and still look current. Head over to the show notes for links and examples to all three. When we come back, we're going to talk about quality clothing, what it is, why it's so hard to find these days, and how you can build a high-quality wardrobe. The Spring Capsule Guide is available right now, and if you've always wanted an effortlessly stylish mix-and-match wardrobe, this is the easiest way to get it. The ebook shows you pictures of what to buy. We give you links to show you where to buy it, and then we give you 20 pages of photos showing how to put it all together. The Capsule Wardrobe Guide shows you how to do more with less. You'll have more style, more confidence, and more fun getting dressed than you ever thought possible. And if you want an entire year of style, along with video masterclasses, weekly personal advice from me, and support from hundreds of your fellow style sisters, upgrade to the all-access membership. You get all my best resources to help make style so, so easy. The Spring Guide retires March 31st, so don't wait. Head to my website or the show notes for the link. And now, back to the show. Okay, ladies, let's talk quality. One of the biggest conversations I see happening in the Everyday Style Lounge is where to buy quality fill-in-the-blank. Quality jeans, quality tees, quality shoes. It's clear that women everywhere want a quality wardrobe. But in case you haven't noticed, quality isn't that easy to find anymore. Today, we're going to define what quality actually is, talk about why quality clothing is so hard to find nowadays, and then I'm going to share some tips with you on what you can do to build that high-quality wardrobe that you've always wanted. First, let's define quality. I know you're thinking, I know what quality is. It's a well-made product that lasts a lifetime. Yes and no. The definition of quality is actually really subjective. Quality is the degree to which a product meets or exceeds your expectations. Here's what I mean. If I buy a top from Old Navy and it still looks good after three years, I would consider that a high quality piece because it exceeded my expectation that tops from Old Navy really only look good for a season or two at best. 
However, if you bought that same top and expected it to look good after five years and it looked worn after three, you would consider that to be a low quality top. So part of building a quote unquote quality wardrobe is managing expectations and understanding where we are in the retail and textile landscape, which we will look at in a minute. But for the purposes of today's conversation, we're going to be talking about quality as construction, meaning the materials used and how the item was put together, and durability, meaning how the garment holds up when taken care of properly in relation to the cost of the item. Got it? Construction and durability in relation to price. I want to talk a little bit about current materials and how they affect our perception of quality. A lot of the fabrics used to make our clothing feel as nice as it does are not very durable. Let's take t-shirts. Everyone wants quality t-shirts. And they remember back in the day when t-shirts held up, right? Do you remember those days? Well, back in the day, t-shirts were these thick, boxy, stiff things that if you took them in your hand and kind of scrunched them up, they stayed wrinkled even when the fabric was released. Not anymore. Now they've been made thinner and drapier, and there are fabric blends and stretch put into them. They feel nothing like the tees of 20 years ago. They feel nice on your body, but they're not as durable. But our expectation hasn't changed, and we still expect these things to hold up for years. It's the same thing with jeans. Denim is one of the most durable fabrics on the planet. It's why cowboys wear denim. But it is stiff, it is thick, it has no stretch, and frankly, it's not that comfortable. The jeans we wear today have very little in common with what cowboys wear. We wear jeggings and stretch denim. We wear jeans so buttery soft you could nap in them. Not that I ever have, of course, but I've heard that you could. We wear jeans that stretch and mold to our bodies and are not thick and stiff. But we can't expect the same level of durability from this fabric that we call denim. You just can't. It's not comparing the same thing. The other thing you need to understand is that clothes are cheaper now than they have ever been. And I know it doesn't seem that way when you look at price tags, but consider this. In 1980, American households spent a little over 5% of their disposable income on clothes. In 2009, that number was sitting just below 3%. But here's the kicker. People in 2009 purchased five times more clothing than people in 1980 did. We are buying a lot more and spending as a percentage less on our wardrobes. You simply cannot expect the quality to remain the same as the costs are going down. So what happened? How did we get here? Well, a couple of things happened to get us here. Fast fashion is a big one. And I think the biggest impact of fast fashion was that it set the expectation that clothes could be and should be super cheap. Never mind that it used to be comparing apples to oranges when comparing quality of, the, of fast fashion to more upscale brands. People saw that clothes could be cheap. So they began to expect them to be cheap everywhere. And so began the race to the bottom of the barrel, quality-wise, to compete on price. It's kind of like Amazon setting the expectation that anything you want in the world can arrive at your house within two days. Because one company makes it happen, we expect all companies to be able to do it at the same price. The other thing that happened was the addition of the endless sales cycles. 
I remember when clothing sales happened around major holidays and Black Friday actually meant something. If you wanted a deal on jeans, you hit them all on Columbus Day. Now, those holiday sales are still around, but every week, every other week, stores are offering 30% off everything, 40% off everything, 50% off everything. Raise your hand if lost 30% off doesn't impress you anymore. I know it's not exciting for me. I'll just wait for the 40 or 50 because I know it's coming. But when this started, Loft and all the other companies, I'm not just picking on Loft, they didn't just say, well, I guess as a company, we'll just make 30% less. Oh, well. Nope. They raised their prices some and they cut their quality of materials and manufacturing some. Once a retailer starts participating in the constant store-wide sales cycle, quality takes a serious hit. It used to be that Land's End didn't offer store-wide sales that often, and I've been buying the same style of swimsuit there for years. I know I should update, but I really, really like it. Don't, don't judge me. Anyway, now they've jumped in the endless sale ring and the exact same pieces feel cheaper, have different finishes, the material is thinner. They're not the same at all, but the price didn't go down, not one bit. It went up a little bit, but now it's always on sale. As you can see, the clothes we're buying and the prices we're paying aren't the same as they used to be. And no, you're not crazy. Finding high quality clothes isn't a no-brainer anymore. It takes a little bit of work. So what can you do? It is not all doom and gloom, and there are a few things you can do to identify quality products and build a wardrobe that lasts. First, though, you have to manage your expectations. Remember our definition of quality is construction and durability of an item in relation to its costs, meeting or exceeding your expectations. I remember one style lounge member a couple of years ago asking where she could get quality t-shirts. I recommended Land's End because at the time they were known for quality. She responded by saying, I'm not paying $19 for a t-shirt. That's ridiculous with a lot of exclamation points. Okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. She had big expectations for construction and durability, but she wasn't willing to pay for it. Once you've got your quality expectations in check, here are some tips and tricks for building a high quality wardrobe. One of my best tips for getting quality items is to buy from places who don't participate in the constant store-wide sales cycle. Now, I don't mean like this week jeans are 30% off or, you know, buy one, get one half off sweaters. No, I mean everything 30% off, everything 40% off. That's what I mean by store-wide. Stores that don't do this operate more on a what you see is what you get mentality, and they're not using price hikes, quality cuts, and sales to play a smoke and mirrors value game. These stores are increasingly hard to find, but if you want a higher quality wardrobe, make these places your go-tos. Another tip is to shop like it's 1980 or even earlier. Spend a little more than you are right now on your wardrobe, but buy drastically less. If you want a quality wardrobe, but you don't want to increase how much you're spending by a lot, this is how it's going to have to happen. Buy less and choose carefully. A lot of women today don't believe they can afford high quality items, but if you cut out all the things you don't really need and utilize a much smaller wardrobe, you could spend more on each piece. Also, knowing where to invest in quality and when not to bother is important. Frankly, investing in things like white t-shirts is a little silly, especially if you're someone who tends to spill a lot or you get messy easily. 
things that have to be replaced frequently and not because they've worn out aren't worth investing in. If you're super hard on your shoes or your handbags, no matter how much money you spend on them, they may not be worth investing more in. Now, when you're shopping, recognize that different stores are better at some things than others. And even in department stores, different brands are better than others. There's no one-stop shop for quality clothing. For example, I've always been impressed with Lucky Brand jeans, but not so much by their tops. So is that a place that sells high-quality clothing? Well, yes and no. Remember, too, that not all materials are created equal. Let's talk about cashmere sweaters for a minute. How can one store sell a cashmere sweater for $50 when another store sells it for $250? Surely the more expensive one is just a ripoff or you're paying for the label, right? Nope, not necessarily. Good quality cashmere uses the long strands of wool, whereas inexpensive cashmere uses the discarded short hairs, linking them or tying them together to create longer strands. The result is a sweater that pills easier, gets holes faster, and is a little scratchy. If you've ever put on a cashmere sweater and you think, Aren't, isn't cashmere supposed to be soft? This is why it's probably cheap cashmere. Also, when it says things like one-ply or two-ply, that actually means something. One-ply cashmere is fabric made from knitting single strands of cashmere wool together. In two-ply, they take two threads and twist them together before knitting them, so it's more durable and it creates a smoother fabric. This goes back to the whole fast fashion thing, teaching us that everything should cost $10 because some stores sell things for $10, but you're not comparing apples to apples. Speaking of materials, it is easier to invest in quality in natural fibers. Yes, there are differences in quality in a very inexpensive polyester blouse and a very expensive polyester blouse, but those differences are minimal compared to the differences between a super cheap wool sweater and a very expensive wool sweater. Now, this is not to say that inexpensive things are always low quality, while expensive things are always high quality. Not at all. But what I'm saying with this one is that there is a bigger difference in quality when it comes to natural fibers than there are in synthetics. Also, high quality natural fibers hold up better over time. So materials like silk, wool, linen, cotton are worth spending a little more on. So how can you tell if an item you're looking at is high quality or low quality? Well, when you're shopping, you should turn everything inside out and give it a thorough once over. One of the oldest quality control tools in the retail handbook is this phrase, when in doubt, turn it inside out. What that means is you can tell a lot about the construction of a garment when you turn it inside out. Look at how the seams are finished. Are there hanging threads, crooked stitches, wonky seams that go a little, you know, not quite straight? Is the item fully or even partially lined? Do things like sleeves and collars have interfacing sewn in to give them good structure? Give the seams a little tug. Do they look loose from the inside? These are all things that can give you clues to the item's construction quality that you may not notice from the outside. Finally, look at the finishing. Here are a few things to look out for. First, buttons and buttonholes. Buttons and buttonholes tell you a lot about quality. High quality buttonholes are finished well with no hanging threads. The buttons can slip through easily, but the buttonhole isn't too big that the button will come undone. Speaking of buttons, 
are extras provided. Higher quality items include extra buttons when appropriate because they expect the garment to last long enough to need minor repairs and they expect it to hold up through a repair. The buttons themselves should look and feel high quality and they should be sewn on tightly. In a store is the best an item is ever going to look. So if it's got hanging threads there, if it's got loose buttonholes, if it's got buttons that are hanging on by a thread or, you know, seams that are coming undone, it's not going to get any better at home. This is the best it's ever going to look. Next, go back inside and look at seam and length allowances. Could the item be let out a little bit or maybe made a little bit longer in the leg? Lower quality items offer very small seam allowances to save money on materials. Check the seam from the inside, but then also check it from the outside to see if the fabric patterns match up. Finally, look at the zippers. Exposed zippers or those that feel flimsy are a big sign of lower quality materials and construction. It's details like these that tell what kind of construction went into making the item and choosing items with high quality construction and high quality materials can go a long way to building the high quality wardrobe you've been wanting. So let's recap real quick. First, the quality of yesteryear has changed. It is gone. You cannot expect the same level of quality for the prices we are paying. Manage your expectations accordingly. If you want to have a high quality wardrobe, shop like it's 1980 or even earlier. Focus your quality efforts on things you can control and learn to identify what quality clues to look for when you're shopping to build that wardrobe you've always wanted that will last you a very long time. All right, your homework this week is to identify the high quality items in your own wardrobe. Head to your closet and find the things that have stood the test of time or have at least exceeded your expectations. Turn them inside out and check out the construction. Look at the fabric content and the finishing. See if it matches up with what I've shared with you today. Another fun one is to find the low quality things in your closet, the things you were disappointed by, and do the same exercise. Can you spot the quality markers in those items as well? I would love to hear your experiences in the Style Lounge. And if you've got resources, your favorite spot for quality tees or quality jeans, come and share them in there. That's it, everyone. I will see you Monday with office hours, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with the next full episode. We're going to be talking about five ways to look your best, no matter what your body shape. It should be a fun one. Also, don't forget to grab your capsule wardrobe guide or even better, become an all access member and get all the tools you need to love the way you look. See you next time. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end here. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com for show notes, freebies, and a link to join my free Facebook community, the Everyday Style Lounge. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is helping you love getting dressed again, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. Thanks, Style Sister. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.